Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 192, which is eight away from episode 200. Woo! And so like episode 100, which was a question and answer QA episode, we're going to be doing the same thing, I think, right? Yeah, that's the plan so far, um, at least. That's what we've come up with right now. Yeah, yeah. It was fun last year. I, I, we enjoyed it. So um, I think we're kind of talking about doing some twists on it this time around. Yeah, so what are those twists? So we would actually like you guys, the listeners, to record your audio clips of questions and send those into us. And then we're going to splice them all together and make a, uh, a question. So your audio will actually be a part of ours. Now, are we going to like pre-screen these? <laughs> We're just going to be like soundboard it. We haven't talked too much about the semantics on it. Uh, it's just we had this idea and it was like, okay, that sounds like fun. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, so I think we probably should pre-screen them. Or maybe maybe we will um, ask Iris to pre-screen them and just, you know, make sure there's no like naughty stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um if you would like to ask us a question and have us answer it on the 200th episode of the Mac Five Engineering Podcast, go ahead and record your question and uh, send it into podcast at macrofab.com. And then we will collect all of those and we will, uh, you know, hopefully there will be plenty enough to fill a full episode. <laughs> that and we can answer them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, no, 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 no. But I mean, we'll, we will answer anything, right? Like sure. that's that is our promise right now. We will answer anything. You may not get the answer you want, but there we will go. answer yeah. anything. <laughs> so yeah, once again, record your questions and send them into uh, podcast at macrofab.com. Cool. So uh, what's been going on, Parker? So I finished up that tiger shark repair. The tiger shark pool cleaner. Right? Pool cleaner. Unfortunately, not a tiger shark with lasers on its head, but. <laughs> It was, a, yeah, the pool cleaner. Um, so I put it all back together. I, I just like, we talked about like siliconing the the gasket because the old gasket just wouldn't fit anymore. Right. The uh, non-serviceable part that you serviced. Yeah, I serviced it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, yeah, I was able to actually like repair the the circuit because uh, last time it was, I had just ordered the parts. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to desolder the motor controller, which was a pain in the like, Oh, like I've never had this problem like desoldering a part before. It had a big thermal pad underneath. It's like a T-SOP like 48 or something like that. Yeah, so it, was, it was super long and had a ton of legs on it. Yeah, and like I could get all the legs liquefied, but I could not get the center pad to let go, even with a board heater. And I like, I, you know, cranked the hot air to like 400 Celsius trying to get that thing to go. Um. Yeah, it just would not come off. And so basically, I ended up just cutting all the legs off. And then since the part was broken, it kind of like crumbled into three pieces. And then I kind of like chipped away at it until I got to the thermal pad directly, like oh, wow. through the the material. What, what, what would you call that? It's not epoxy, but the uh, what they make the body of the IC out of. Oh, it's plastic. Yeah, that, whatever the plastic is. I basically chipped that away, got to the thermal pad and then was able to get it off then. God, that's a pain in the ass. There's that's all takes a lot of work to do. Yeah. And then when I put the new one back on, it went on perfectly. Like it <laughs> reflowed great. Like I have no idea why this old part just 
did you no. did you reflow the thermal pad the the solder that was on the thermal pad? Yeah. Okay. Like flux and re and flow. Yeah. That. I yeah. used uh some old school rosin flux and I was using uh the dreaded lead solder. Oh, that's uh, why it to, went on good. To, yeah. So that yeah, I think that's why because I basically took all the lead free off and put lead it on. Yeah, it'll um, melt at a much lower temperature. Yeah. And that's always that's always the worst. Uh, I hate it. In fact, I was working with a. Uh, uh, I've got a quad DAC on a board that I was playing with the other day, and, and uh, I had to replace one for some reason. And um, it's it was a QFN that has eight eight pins on the side, or four on two sides, and then a big monster thermal pad. Like all of the the actual like connection pins are tiny in comparison to the the thermal pad, and it was so hard to get it to align because each one of the legs on this QFN were not big enough to yank it into true mm -hmm. so like you're sitting there with a hot air gun you're like oh the this thermal pad was controlling the the surface tension exactly exactly and yeah. if it has too much solder on it then are you sure the legs are connecting and it's just like ah oh, it's such a pain in the ass how, how do you solder components with a thermal pad like if you're doing it by hand um i will usually just put uh i'll put just the tiniest bit of solder on and this is with lead solder because I'll hand solder I pretty much only just use lead um at home mm -hmm. and that's why they don't let me solder at MacFab anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also I don't do an amazing job at it <laughs> compared to I mean you got you have floor. you have some pretty good people there. Yeah. Um so yeah I put just a little bit a tiny a bit because you don't want to make it proud. No because it won't sit flush because you basically need to make yeah. just a, a little bit of layer there. You just wet the pad basically. Just barely, yeah. And then put a ton of flux down on top of that pad, put your part on, and then heat that up until you get a little bit of that little wiggle move. When it starts, <laughs> you can basically know it's, it's starting to float a, t a bit on that pad. Right. And then you know you got a good contact there and then you solder the, the legs. Yeah. Give it, get it like... I, I like using um, the uh, the sharp nosed tweezers that are angled. Oh yeah, the hook, uh, the, little like the, the like the forty five degree snake, ones. I come snake fangs. Yeah, snake fangs. Yeah, and then and then you just tap the top at yeah. such that it sinks down. But but honestly, I'd never do QFNs or anything outside of a microscope. I always work under a microscope when soldering those things because it's just like that's the only way that I can feel comfortable doing it, you know, mm -hmm. other than like fully testing everything. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah. So I did have some interesting, um, I guess problems, I guess, cause that's just one problem I had with reflowing this or fixing this. Okay. Board. Um, because it was inside this sealed box that had water in it. Everything had moisture in it. Mm. And I didn't think about it at the time. And I just, the moment I hit it with hot air, it like one section of the board, which was not this part, just like immediately delaminated and exploded. <laughs> <laughs> just blistered like crazy. Oh, yeah. It blistered like a whole like quarter inch in like thickness. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it, fortunately, huge. it was like there was no copper or anything over there. So I was able to kind of like squeeze it with pliers and got it back to kind of normal. So wait, did you try to like dehydrate it or something? No, I just went for it. <laughs> you could have just put it in like an oven at like 200 degrees f I for an hour that night oh uh, well okay yeah yeah um <laughs> so, so i got that it. fixed it, it, hey it works and so i got it all back together tested it silicone the snot out of the the gasket put it all back together let it dry yeah. for a couple of days Ma made it re non-serviceable yes because now you can definitely not get it back apart <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just goopy as hell, right? Oh yeah, because well, because I I filled the gasket seam, which is like a quarter inch by quarter inch, full of silicon. Oh, and nasty. then the bottom ledge, I I filled that up and then just squeezed it and it just went. It just gooped everywhere as I was putting the screws in, and then I kind of just wiped it up and just says, "Meh, it's probably good." Nice. And um, went went down to Galveston and plugged it in, tossed it into the pool, and no one died. So <laughs> just toss it in and then you jump in right away after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably why it uses like 24 volt DC instead of running AC current down that line. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's on a G it, like the unit itself has a built in GF uh, CI. So um, pretty certain nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You would think that they would make it uh, somewhat. Well, safe, even okay? stock it or from factory, it leaked eventually. So mm. And, and those things are not anyone. cheap. I looked up the price on them. There, that unit is like a thousand two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pricey, man. And so the, basically, what's I bet you this is going to last about a year until like like that PCB fails again because of like how crappy I did like taking that part off, right? Um, <laughs> how much you blistered the board? Yeah, how much I blistered that board and burnt it and rosin stained it. Um, Wait, did the, you not clean it afterwards? Oh, I cleaned it with a little bit of alcohol, and I was like, "Eh, it's probably fine now." <laughs> I, like I didn't, I didn't have any conformal coating to spray back on it, so I just kind of like went out in the garage and found some acrylic spray paint and just sprayed it. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> hey, yeah, that's I, what I had on it. Well, okay, so one year might be asking a little much of that. Thing. Um, but hey, at least I tried to coat the board. Yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Um, and then. Uh, Basically, I'm, if we get another year out, good. Then I'm just gonna. You can just buy the non-serviceable motor unit mm. for like three hundred bucks. So it's not like we have to buy a whole new unit, but we'll see how long it lasts. Nice. It might well, be episode well three hundred, and then we'll be saying, "Oh yeah, that shark, tiger shark broke again." <laughs> um, so it's it's working. It runs. Uh, I think my mother uses it every day now so so it was just that one part right yeah that one part just for the some motor reason controller. well oh and i replaced that capacitor oh that's right yeah that yeah looked a little melty for some reason it was weird yeah yeah did you so did the only you... thing i can think of is like the motor like either capacitor failed or the motor controller failed which caused the capacitor to get hot who knows yeah one well i one or the other right yeah one or the other the um did you elastic that that uh, capacitor down to the board? Oh no! <laughs> well, you got to pull it apart now. <laughs> it's like it's actually like a whole like oh about a tenth of an inch off the board. Oh, so I it's just dangling it, there, it's flow you know flapping in the wind, right? A little bit. Eh, who, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Well, I mean, but the, but this thing, uh, this thing does like wall climbs and stuff, right? So that capacitor is going to get all kinds of different flexing. Very slowly, though. It's not <laughs> like this thing is a yeah. speed demon underwater. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just really slow tra- tank treads, right? Yeah. Cool. It's amazing though, because like how much noise this unit makes, like when it's on land. But the moment you put it in water, it's silent. So I guess something with the bearings, how they're designed, because they're like nylon bearings. Mm-hmm. I guessing just what the tolerances, they kind of need some liquid in there to kind of take up the slot <laughs> to convince them to work a little better. Yeah, because they're they're pretty no- like the whole unit's pretty noisy. Yeah, I, I guess bet I, you, I bet you if you stick your head underwater, it's probably noisy too. 
probably i haven't i haven't actually tried that yet you know I, I don't know like water transmits uh sound excellently it's it's yeah. quite it's quite good but i think the transition from water to air is pretty damn bad right probably i would imagine so yeah because even like light doesn't do that that well either but i guess that's a wave and a particle moving on actually so something to say about that back on that capacitor uh something i'm super excited about is i think we're starting to reach a little bit of that critical mass with uh with the podcast where when we say something like hey we should get an application engineer on to talk about electrolytic capacitors we actually got an email this week that maybe that might happen in the future yeah from uh kemet yeah because we, we, uh, we already had some kemet capacitor stuff um a while ago uh, james so we, lewis yeah we're we're well, we're, we're trying to get someone on to talk about electrolytic capacitors, so that will be awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yep, I cannot wait. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I'm thinking probably within the next two months we'll have them on. Yeah, I think it'll be yeah. really great. Um, so I also worked on the Pinatar Rev Two. Um, this just has slight layout tweaks from Rev One. I fixed the relay problem, which was I basically set it up as normally uh closed and so when right, you activated yeah, reverse it, it opened. Logic, right yeah i reversed the logic on it so i fixed that and then uh some of the silkscreen labelings was incorrect so i fixed that and then went ahead and ordered it and i ordered them as like p uh service mount only boards because i i guess ordered the through hole right those. the last time around you guys were try were doing quick turn so you ordered oach park right yeah uh, this is the funny thing is though so we ordered because they're they're four layer boards uh we ordered them for the osh park and they took um they took seven business days to get them which is pretty quick that is um good. but then it took like three or four days of just soldering them onto the boards and i'm like macfab says they'll do it in 13 days i'm just yeah, gonna do that it, this time it's yeah, like the same yeah. price Right, and I'm like, right, right. and I don't have to actually do anything. That's like the only time I've like pitched my own company on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that, that is something that that's kind of funny. Um, the the sort of illusion of speed, especially when it comes yeah. to like fast turn stuff. Like you get this idea where it's like, oh, I could shave off a day or two off my project. A day or two is nothing. Like, yeah, you can wait a day or two. You know, if it's if it's a personal project, like. For me, at least, I'll just do something else for those couple days while stuff comes in. Like, yeah, you got plenty to project. do, right? <laughs> I've got like eight bazillion projects that need to get done. Yeah, for sure. So, so. yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there's been a couple of times when um, I've I've been at uh, in a design team where they're like, "Oh, we've got to do a quick turn on this thing," and then like you sp end up spending the extra three thousand dollars for a quick turn, and then it sits on someone's desk for four days. And yeah. like you while that one part shows up or that person's out of town or, or or whatever reason or or it got to the point where like as soon as the boards arrived, you're like, oh, yeah, well, the customer was like, oh, we don't really need it that fast. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I can How understand if it's, if it's mission critical. It? I get it. But um, 99 percent of the time, like you didn't need to go that fast. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the next kind of project I'm working on today, actually, after the podcast is so at work, the sales team has got a gong. 
So when they close the sale, they get to ring the gong or hit the gong. That's you new. don't ring I, the I, gong. You you hit the gong. Yeah, so they hit the gong. And I was fine with that because it's like on the other side of the building, right? And then, um, and it only happens, you know, a couple times a day, whatever. Um, well, development got a bell. And so and so I'm, do, I'm, I'm assuming if, if whenever something good happens, they do something. Yeah. So whenever okay. they have a software release, which is a couple times a day, they get to ring the bell. Ah. And so I'm like, oh, my God. Like, man, this is just this too much of this like. Horty, torty, like self pat on back kind of thing, which is <laughs> I'm, I'm Parker's not it. a team player. <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. But I'm like, do we really need to have like the, like. Hey, look at me and have everyone at the company look at me at this cool thing I did. I mean, at least that's my opinion. Um, so I went to the extreme for the engineering team. And I'm doing an air raid siren. <laughs> They're going to hate you even more now. <laughs> <laughs> and so air whenever raid we siren. get to do something awesome, we yeah. get the get the turn on the air raid siren <laughs> like 140 decibel air raid siren. so i found a the first version i'm going to do is i just found something on thingiverse that i can just download and print and it's a hand crank one i'm like perfect don't even have to do electronics just print it and put it together because eventually i want it to be like hooked up to like a raspberry pi so you can just send it a slack message of like air raid on and then like it spins up but nice. i'm like okay let's start with the first one Maybe I don't even need to get to that point where, uh, like you know, I might be fired in like two weeks because the air raids are in the air. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna throw a monkey wrench in here to make this to make this potentially better. So air raid siren is a really simplistic mechanism. It's like a spinning, mm -hmm. it's a a spinning portion that just basically produces a pitch based off of like wind blowing through the siren, right? Yes. Is there or would there be a way to control the pitch of that? Uh, such that you could play like it would spin up and you could play like an audio oh, music? file through it and make it a meatloaf siren where it would spin <laughs> up and then play bad out of hell. So <laughs> I don't, I mean, like if you, you could make a controllable like, read inside of it or something. Yeah. You'd like have that. to be able to control the basically. Well, so how they work is by, uh, they have fins inside of this drum and mm -hmm. the drum has a different, I recall basically the, the how the designs work is they have a different number of of uh openings in the drum yep. portion uh -huh. versus the inner portion has a different number of drums right a uh, different number of openings i mean and that ratio is basic and then how fast you spin it is the frequency well, um, it, it's sort of it's sort of like uh you know like a like a like a whistle like a coach whistle has one of those veins and you blowing through it produces um produces a standing wave within the, the thing and then the little ball that like jiggles in there like disturbs it so you yeah, get modulates that ringing it. yeah you modulate it and rings it well this uh, air raid siren is basically the same thing that's multiplied by however many veins are in the outer drum right yeah and so you would have to be able to change the number of openings on the fly so right. I know you could probably make that work on the outside because it's stationary, but the inside one might be really hard to do that. Well, let's see what I was thinking is, is instead of like doing it the traditional way, use the spinning internal thing to just act as like a turbine that just sucks air in and blows it through. And then you control the vein openings such that you could control the pitch then. 
in other words, you're making like a really unique, weird uh, wind and uh, woodwind instrument, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is you could control the outer drums openings is the mm -hmm. only real way I think to make that work. Yeah. But to, but to do it at audio rate would be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd have to have, you'd almost have to probably use pneumatics to quickly open stuff. Mm, yeah. That might not even be fast enough though. Yeah. I, it would be, it would be cool if you, you could, could just, type in let the loaf out in uh, in Slack and it would just play me. You could just, um, I mean, you can do it how horn, like air horns do it, and you just have different, like, all you have like 20 air raid sirens, all at different frequencies. The trick is spinning them up fast enough. Yeah. So you'd have to predict because they take a while to spin up, or you just have a big motor that can instantly turn on and then a brake to turn it off. <laughs> Just, but like a, uh, I'm thinking like a, um, like a saw stop break, you know? Yeah, it instantly <laughs> stops it. Just like hammers a, it a just rod sticks into a it stick or into the vein, <laughs> yeah. and then it explodes. Yeah, <laughs> that only works like three or four times. Yeah, how, how fast does an air raid siren typically? Um, what's like the the speed that it spins at? I think like depending on sometimes it's like sixty hertz. That's what it's, you know AC motors most ac motors spin at right right uh so 60 hertz but the but the number of veins is like a multiplier right yeah something like that hmm. but it doesn't really matter on it doesn't really matter on the speed you spin it mm -hmm. that's mostly the volume of it the veins really dictate the frequency yeah but but um i think like it, you hear all those air raid sirens, they do modulate in pitch. And I think that's due to the speed, right? I think so. Hmm. I don't know everything about the physics of air raid sirens. Let me see here. Here's an article from 1942 about air raid sirens. Okay. Yeah. 45 RPM with 10. Yeah. Okay. So it's 45 and you just multiply it by the, um, the slots. So okay. a, a 10 slot on a 45 RPM gets you 450 Hertz. So you could modulate the speed a bit. Yeah, but you'd have to have a motor, a motor that responds to audio speed rate changes. Like that's some serious inertia moving right there. Well, people do stepper driver music. Yeah, but that's just the music of turning the shaft, not turning all the true. extra mass that you'd have to. That's turn. True. You'd have to have a beefy motor to do that or a beefy mm -hmm. stepper. Or a little tiny air raid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like this little tiny whistle thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have to be screaming fast for that to work. Well, I let's start know. with let's start with the uh, hand crank one and see if I still have a job in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, they're going to hate you. Yeah. Okay. See what you've been working on. Uh, so actually, this week I've been putting a bit of thought into that old, not old, that, that project we we kicked up a few weeks ago of the. Um, so you want to pick a part? Um, we just we've been talking about it a bit on the Slack channel, um, and I, I forget. I I apologize. I forget his name. Um, who's in charge of uh, getting the websites and everything? Chris Mullins. Chris Mullins. That's it. Yeah, Chris. So uh, Derek uh, from the uh, Slack channel actually came up with the idea of eepartpicker.com, which is pretty awesome. And we like 
within like seconds went and got that website. Oh yeah, Chris like, Mullins like was like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm buying it. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> Derek was like, what about EE Bar Picker? And like, not even like a minute later, we we already had it. So uh, we're thinking right now, eepartpicker.com is the name of the website. And um, just as sort of a recap, we're we're kind of using this as like a Wikipedia page for engineers to be able to identify and pick parts and um, like have a good deep understanding of the nuances of each different type of part. So mm-hmm. uh, I've been thinking about like, what should come first? Like what's our next step? We sort of have a website. We got people on board with this, but it's like, okay, what do we do next? And um, Parker and I were actually discussing it. We were talking, we probably need to create like the very first one as a demonstration to everyone saying like, okay, so this is what our vision looks like. This is what we think a page should look like. And I would think that it would evolve, you know, with, with time and stuff, but like sort of, I think Parker, you mentioned it, you called it like the grandfather page. And I like, yeah, that. like let's make the grandfather page. So I the think gold standard, I, I think we should do resistors as the first one. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really simple. There's not a lot of like snakes in the grass or, or weird things hiding in there. And people can fact check us pretty quickly on resistors. So we're not going to do anything crazy. And uh, we, we can sort of build it as a template. So if we have the resistor page, the resistor wiki page, we can build it up, figure out what it looks like, kind of get an idea, a hack and chop some things. Maybe we'll even ask some people to do some edits and reviews on it and just make sure that it looks good. And then we can start pushing that towards other things. Uh, because mm-hmm. like it's funny, you know, like resistor is a pretty easy thing. I would think that capacitor would be a pretty damn difficult one, you know, yeah. because there's a lot going on there. In fact, it's kind of funny. I've um, we're getting a new testing um, person at work, and the person who was doing testing is now actually going to go off to repairs. And I was asked to get that person up to speed on electronics because that person's done a lot of testing in the in testing, as in like turning trim pots and watching an oscilloscope mm-hmm. and things like that. But this person doesn't have a huge background in electronics so we've been learning from the uh, learning the basics and she's like hey let's uh you know we we're i've kind of had a good feel of resistors how about going to capacitors and i was like not yet no you're not <laughs> like no this is capacitors are weird like just let's let's get resistors down a little bit more <laughs> you know wait till she asks about op amps We've been we're actually doing op amps before capacitors because interesting capacitors, okay yeah. capacitors are weird. I started off with like basic electronics like here's current, here's voltage, blah blah blah. Then we went into resistors, and now we're doing op amps. And then eventually, I'm going to be like, now everything gets really weird as soon as you put capacitors in there. Mm-hmm. And like as soon as as soon as someone goes like, what does a capacitor do? I was like, you really can't ask that question, like because like there's like you have to ask the question like, what does a capacitor do? in this situation like Mm -hmm. it it always works out that way but it's like an inductor too exactly i don't even want to say that word to her yet uh she doesn't (laughs) she doesn't even know those exist (laughs) think about it as a long extension cord (laughs) oh gosh yeah no too many analogies (laughs) with electronics yes uh but yeah so so with ee part picker we're talking about um throwing together a resistor page and I don't want it to be onerous. I want it to just be like really straightforward. So uh, we'll see how that comes out, you know, uh, as, as, as we go through, just kind of like throw thing, throw ideas down 
And um, really, I want to use it as, like I said, kind of a template for the rest of the mm -hmm. stuff. The grandfather page. So keep your eyes out for that. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll kind of like pass that by all the Slack people first because we've got a lot of people who are way more intelligent than both Barker and I in the yes. Slack channel, and they'll be able to be like, "Man, this this article is full of bullshit. Here's how you make it better." <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, and then and then I've been also messing around more with the fermentation controller project, um, but mainly that's just getting more parts in i yeah we, we were talking about the um you might have found out what's up with the screen maybe fingers crossed maybe the screen um uh i was driving the screen or the logic side of the screen with 3.3 volts and technically the screen's looking for uh five volt uh logic so there's a level shifting transition in there i did get some level shifting chips and put all those in so I'm, I'm doing true five volt and I'm actually getting exactly the same results. So oh. it wasn't, <laughs> that's not what was wrong with the screen. Although yesterday a second screen arrived and this is the screen that's meant for Parker's unit. So I'm going to uh, plug in the second brand new screen that has not been touched at all and see if I get the same results because maybe I've just been barking up a tree this entire time and I've just had a bad screen. Yeah, because we actually did find in the, not the screens, data sheet because mm -hmm. the screen data sheet said 0.5 of vcc was a high yeah right but then we went into the controller and the control was like yeah on the data lines but on all the control lines it's like i can't remember what, what was it uh i gotta, I gotta look it up was our higher than normal three three um voltage it was a three seven five or something like that 0.75 vcc was a high Right, so the so three three wouldn't work in that case. Correct. But I've done everything. I I've rebuilt this circuit like ten times now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's not working either. And I, like I said, I'm getting exactly the same results. So it still keeps pointing back to um, something in my code is is wrong. And I know it's mm -hmm. going to be something really simple and really straightforward. And it kind of it's annoying. Uh, this is the this is one of the this is one of the shitty things about using someone else's embedded code on a different processor. Uh, that's where it gets kind of shitty because uh, I, do, yeah. I don't know any of their initialization stuff. I don't know what clock speed they're running at. I don't know. The, uh, like, In fact, I don't even know what their pull-up structure is or anything like that. I'm running all my own uh, stuff and I'm running all of what is recommended, but you know, they have delays and things like that in their code. But if I don't know what their clock speed is, I yeah, have what no do idea. they write their what they write their library for what clock speed exactly i have no clue that's why like embedded applications or embedded example code it's great for arduino because it's always the damn same but for anything else it doesn't it doesn't work right so mm -hmm. uh, i think i'm shooting myself in the foot too many times with this i should just write all this code from scratch but i'm like i don't want to do that and i don't know so <laughs> It'll, I'll figure it out eventually. But I kind of, I shelved this section for a, for a moment to go back and start looking back at the, um, the enclosure. And um, I bought a second enclosure for Parker's version or Parker's unit and a second screen. And I, I ended up going with um, solid state relays. So I'm, I'm going to purchase those soon. Um, but those mm -hmm. are all like Amazon things, you know, the 40 amp solid state relays that you can actually drive directly from 3.3 which is yes. awesome <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna have all of those going so eventually well coming up here soon i'm gonna uh get the schematic laid out 
minus the whole screen thing because like i got to figure out do i actually need all these you know what level transitions am i going to need and all that all that crap so mm-hmm. i'm just what more por- what other mauser order you need to order no oh, there's probably more of that yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> so i have been playing more with this um uh dla i got it's fun this thing is this thing is really nice actually the la 2016 um mm-hmm. i mean for 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 like a home gamer like me, it does everything I need it to. Um, I, I can't foresee a project where I would need anything bigger than this. Exactly. Know, or yeah. better than this. And and I, I specifically went for the 16 channel one because I'm using 13 of the 16 right now. And it mm-hmm. just makes... Oh, it, it, it has all the decoding built in. So I can say like, hey, at this time, I'm reading this on a parallel 8080 line. And it just makes it super easy. I like it. Cool. On to the yep. RFO. On to the RFO. Rapid fire opinions. So this first one I found actually earlier today, and I was like, oh, I wish I would have known this a while ago, but it's super cool. Found on Texas Instruments uh, website, there is an analog engineer's calculator, which is sort of based off of an app note that they made a long ah, time ago. So this is this replaces you, right? Yeah, entirely. Yeah, you just <laughs> click a couple <laughs> buttons, and oh, why even pay me? Uh, no, so, so there, there was an app note that uh, was released, gosh, a while ago, which was like the analog engineer's handbook or something. I, I think uh, Parker yeah, and I... Yeah, we talked about it before. And Yeah, uh, we, we, we yeah. were looking through it back when I was at the Fab. Uh, so this is like a just a standalone GUI app that, that was created uh, that based off of a lot of that information, but it has a ton of really good uh, stuff in it. So it does your basic calculations for uh, amplifiers and things like that. But it also includes a bunch of stuff for filter calculations, for uh, calculating your parasitics around an amplifier, also doing your A to D noise calculations and things like that. And uh, it will back calculate ratios of resistors and things such that you can say like, Hey, I want to hit, I want to, have an amplifier with this target gain uh you know what what is a good ratio for that it, but, but it gives you a ratio which i like because mm-hmm. sometimes you're like hey i want to use like a 10k what's the other resistor i need to use to make that ratio work right right but 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 if you're like oh okay well i want to bump that up to 100k the ratio stays the same you can still, yeah 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 you can still play around with that yeah yeah. Hence, hence ratio, right? In fact, it's funny. I actually had a customer who sent in um, some stuff this week for a design review, and he um, used 1K resistors like all over the place on all of his uh, op amps. And I think it was it was a general mistake because I've done design reviews with this guy before, and he hasn't done that before. But I was like, hey, man, you know, 1K is gonna is really pretty damn low for an op amp. It's like the edge of an op amp even working properly. Uh, you know, and it's stuff like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going on like eight tangents here, but this is the kind of crap that they don't teach you in college. Like in college, you're like, oh, well, 1K would work, right? If you just plug it in. Well, it's and- like they treat they treat in school. They treat everything like a spherical cow, right? <laughs> that's that's the physics examples, the spherical cow. Right, right. Where yeah. like how gravity affects it. Yep, yep. So, so not gravity, yeah. uh, magnetic. Is it, I can't remember. What was that example? It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, as, as, assume a cow is how how the, how every problem. But it's round. It. Yeah, perfect. It's perfectly yeah. round and weightless and frictionless and frictionless. <laughs> right, but it's also a black body and emits radiation and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so yeah, regardless, this uh, check out this analog engineer's calculator. Uh, I think that's actually not think that's the name of it. Analog engineer's calculator. We can put a, uh, a link up to it. It's actually mm-hmm. pretty big. It's like 270 megs uh, download. But if you do um, any kind of analog design, it actually makes a lot of that stuff easier. It definitely looks like a engineer designed it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's like here's no cal- fluff. list of list of calculators. Fields to plug in diagram. That's, right. And, and then a, but- like, a button that says calculate. <laughs> yeah. And it's all Windows 98 style. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's actually been getting me is recently Windows 10 got rid of the old school that's been there forever sound uh, manager. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Now they got now you have to go through the like the Windows 10 app version. Because it used to be you can go, you could still get to the old school one, which is how I always tested if my microphone was working or not. Yeah. Um, but they got rid of that. Well, also, uh, Windows has uh, killed off MS Paint. It is no longer supported. Really? Yeah. So I still have it. It's paint. It's just called Paint. Right, but in um, there is I can't remember what version it is. There's there's an update to Windows 10 where like henceforth no more ms paint ah yeah pour one out for our homies yeah over at ms paint ms paint Paint helped me get through college there's there was many diagrams for uh for lab reports that i created in ms paint Paint. Um, so the, our next one is uh, our next RFO is inspect AR or inspector or In- inspector inspector that's and inspect this is AR. Work- Yes, this is the workbench of the future. This is super cool. And this is yeah, this is really cool. Um, I can't remember how I came across it. I think someone posted it in the Slack channel and it's basically augmented reality for PCB assembly. Uh, for doing like one-off prototypes and stuff. And so I was looking at it. And I'm like, I want to use this for like doing like quality control. Yeah. So like basically one-offs. you put, you put your board underneath a camera and you can overlay like Gerber uh, layers or like you can, it can identify components on your board based off of like copper, things like that. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can say like, Hey, show me C. 15 and it'll pop up like a, a box around c15 or you can say show me on my board where all the 10k resistors are and it'll draw boxes around all the places where 10k should be that's yeah. super neat like i don't i don't think they have like a example where you can like rotate the board and like tilt it and it like it, it's augmented reality so it, like, it keeps the perspective of the gerber file over it mm-hmm. which i don't really find useful Sure looks cool though. <laughs> oh, it look yeah, it looks awesome. <laughs> and it looks like like one part's like you can select nets as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so I really want I got I need to send um this guy an email, see if I can try it out. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. That would be awesome. You know, Maybe like selecting the net thing is super cool to say, like, hey, where's all my power or where's all my ground? And it would like automatically yeah. show all of it. That's super cool. This seems like it could be really helpful sort of in a macro fab way. Cause I, I remember we discussed things of this uh, caliber many times in macro fab for the QA team, for them mm-hmm. to be able to 
just like look on look through glasses or whatnot and it would say like this part should be this you know or something yeah i i'm imagining like like everyone is just like in a pod kind of like a la uh (laughs) um what's that movie minority wally no wally oh that kind of pod okay well like but like everyone's got vr goggles on and they're just like manipulating pcbs in 3d space yeah well i i do quality control anywhere but that but that's virtual reality that's not augmented reality right that's gonna be both well but but with augmented you actually have to like use your sense for both the reality and the not reality right isn't that how it augments it yeah but you can display that over in a vr headset oh i have another camera that's like on the forehead so the, I, I just think, I don't know, this is, this is pretty cool. I'm not entirely sure the extent of the use right now. Cause I mean, it looks like they're, they're in a beta program with inspect AR right now. So they mm. have three different tiers, like the engineer, the, that would, I guess that's sort of like the U and I on our bench kind of level. There's the R and D lab and then there's a full enterprise. Um, so they're, they're offering openings for, I guess, requesting access to this right now. So it's still in beta testing. Um, but it is pretty cool. I might yes. need to uh, reach out for a beta test myself because this could be kind of cool for doing QA at our stuff. Yeah. Especially at like, you know, Mac where we do tons of prototypes and like where a normal uh, visual inspection machine just doesn't have the bandwidth basically to, to handle prototypes at the scale we do. Whereas well, yeah, th- like that's good. This looks like it could be really good for like one offs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Prototypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I guess you just suck in a Gerber layer and then it identifies the Gerber layer and somehow over. Well, it looks it. like you also give it like placement data and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess you need a pick and place or something like that. Pick and place file. I mean, yeah, cool. Then our last topic is the little robot that lived at the library. <laughs> and I haven't been able to fully read this article yet, but I skimmed through it when I first found it. And I like, I mean, like I'm in love with this, this idea. And I just never really thought about it until now, but basically it's giving the illusion of personality to robots to make them work better in society. Hmm. You know, um, this reminds me of a, uh, I can't remember where I was reading this, but like it, it was, it was a, a general article about humans interacting with um, robots over the phone. And just like the very, very much depending on how like the tone of the robot would change the human's behavior purely based off of the tone of the robot. Like you mm-hmm. could, you could very easily make a human being ha- absolutely hate and have a horrible experience or be like very sympathetic and kind to the robot based off of the tone of the voice that was played through the speakers. Yeah. And like, and through this, they like giving the robots more human features like eyeballs that you can, like humans could read them. I'm putting, doing air quotes here, emotions from the robot, right? Cause it's just software, right? um no it's real i'm like the first one that's gonna die in the robot over overtake uh, overlord like in next like 80 years it'll be terminators with googly eyes yeah googly eyes (laughs) (laughs) um like they have this whole like like uh emotion matrix of like 
what the robot looks like or is trying to convey to people. Um, which goes from like angry and sad to bored to happy and excited and content. Hmm. Um, and I, I now was thinking about it as a, Hey, if you know, if these devices have more human connections or actually have emotions, people might actually not like vandalize them or be, you know, cause mo- like people like uh, there's some people out there that are not good people. <laughs> <laughs> and will that will uh, vandalize public things like you know benches and subway stations and stuff like that. Um, that I think that might be the solution is we just got to put googly eyes on everything the public owns, and then people won't be you know shitheads. <laughs> Parker solves all of society's problems with googly eyes. Googly eyes. <laughs> also i like i like the fact that like you could say oh, the man, word the googly the eyes and everyone with... knows what it is right yeah <laughs> I, I like the prototype with eyebrows oh yeah yeah that is awesome you know the the part that's kind of that's kind of annoying about it is like just a pair of googly eyes and some angled eyebrows is enough for you to feel something with a robot right yeah like human beings we like to think we're complex but in so many ways we're really simplistic and this is one of them like there's three pictures on this website about a robot that's like inquisitive it's like what's going on or it looks angry and it's purely just the angle that somebody glued eyebrows onto it (laughs) (laughs) and like i do like like you read it easily yeah i do like this this subject is some of the customers were worried that the robots were taking librarians' jobs. <laughs> Take the jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the research shows that those people's attitudes towards robots may become more negative. I.e., you know, picking up the robot and throwing it in the toilet. <laughs> Although, I, here's the thing, though. Think about this. Like, one, one function of a li- librarian's job is to understand in general the source material that is surrounding them and to provide uh, suggestions. Act, it, like, legitimately, a librarian is there for you to ask questions and they can give you suggestions. A robot They're there to be, help you start your research. Well, but but even if you're like looking like, I want a book on fictional crime or something like that, they'll be okay, like, oh, yeah. well, here's a great example of that. So that's less research, but it's more like, hey, but a robot could instantaneously access like data on that and be like, here's the top 10 list of these things you know, like faster than an actual librarian. Cause it, I, I would, I would assume in a lot of ways, a librarian who is well, just going to Google search half the crap anyway. Well, <laughs> the robot would go look up your personality matrix online from like Google and Facebook and figure out and pick the top one for you. Personality matrix. That's a good one. I have yeah. not heard that one before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then and then it would it's googly eyes would just dance around and you get the yeah. book you want, right? Yeah. It just spits it out. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, why even have like a a librarian robot when you could just it would just give you the book on a tablet, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe some maybe people like you, some people like paper. Yeah, and and some people want to actually interface with a googly-eyed robot, or people, actual humans. Sure. Until we get to the point where robots and humans just look the same. 
probably not that far away. Although ever <laughs> the first, the first, the, I got it. The first like humanoid robot or android or whatever that looks perfectly like humans, except it's still got googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, so wait, 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 wait. <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there two? Like I can't remember what it's called. Like. um like the, the prime directive, I know I'm, that's not the right word, but prime directive of robots is like number one can't can't harm humans. Uh, oh, you're talking about the three rules. The of three rules. There, is there like a fourth one? Must have googly eyes. Yeah, that'd be the fourth <laughs> rule. Right. That's in the future. That's the only way we could tell humans and robots apart. <laughs> oh gosh, it's devolving already, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think we got to end this. Yeah, podcast. we're gonna have to end it. <laughs> The fourth rule of robotics. Cool. Googly eyes. Okay, so you want to close this out, Parker? Yeah, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts for now until the robots take us over. Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or googly eyes, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer with no O's, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel, which we'll be talking about the eepartpicker.com in the future. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest MEP episode right when it releases. And please review us on iTunes as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.